Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday evening. It's a jam-packed show on the way. Richie Holland reacts to Cork City's long-awaited victory last night. Rory also joins to discuss that. Shawnee McGrath is going to talk to us ahead of a huge clash in Ennis tomorrow between Cork and Clare in the Munster Championship. The curtain raiser there is the intermediate Munster Camogie final where Cork play Kerry and Trevor Coleman gives us his thoughts. It was a massive day with the group stages of the football championships getting underway. Loss for Kerry, first time out in Cork's group, of course, against Mayo and Clarney. Leinster lead the Champions Cup final just about after a very good start for them. We'll keep an eye on that. It's a huge day in the Premier League. Also, I think Man City are about to win the league. We have all the reports and more between here and seven. It's Aidan here with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM. 0868104106 if you want to get in touch. Before we go any further, just a quick notice here, and I'll read it out now in case I forget about it. The John Buckley Sports 5K Run, it's the 37th annual road race, is being held this Tuesday, 23rd of May at 8pm. It's uh, the Marina Circuit Cork, and uh, you can enter the changing facilities at the Lee Rowing Club to get involved. As far as I know, you can sign up until about 7 o'clock there. And uh, there's T-shirts for the first ten and for first ten men and first ten women, and a free draw for all finishers for a pair of training shoes, and uh, spot prizes, etc., etc. So, good evening there if you're interested. Um, all right, let's dive into what has been a really hectic day of sport. It's kind of the first time now we've noticed it this summer uh, that it's been you know such a hectic day between Premier League finishing up and obviously the championships getting into full swing. As I said, Leinster in the Heineken Champions Cup final also which is also on and then you've Katie Terrors fight later on as well which I talked to Rory about um, as uh, we were talking about the Cork City victory we'll hear that later on but Leinster it's Leinster 26 La Rochelle 20 uh, Ron O'Gara's men are making a charge this second half 55 and a half minutes gone there uh, Leinster raced into a 12-0 lead at the start I think a try after 40 seconds by Dan Sheehan Hugo Keenan went over made it 12-0 and uh, they look fairly comfortable, but they've let La Rochelle back into it. We know what happened last year. And uh, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people listening here would rather see uh, Cork's own Ron Nogara walk out of there with the with the trophy than Leinster. Um, so it'll be an interesting one there in the last, what do we have, 25 minutes still left of that one. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on it. Um, all right, we'll get to the football in just a minute. The Republic of Ireland have their under-17 championship campaign back underway. Colin O'Brien's charges saw off Wales 3-0 in Budapest. They unfortunately lost the opening qualifier 5-1 against Poland. They were actually 1-0 up there as well. As I said, Dublin's three arenas, the venue for Katie Taylor's first professional fight in Arsenal tonight. The undisputed lightweight champion meets Chantel Cameron. She uh, is the undisputed super lightweight champion. And uh, they're fighting at the super lightweight as well there was no catch weight made so um, 
Interesting enough. Shane Owen and Rory McIlroy both within striking distance of the lead ahead of day three at the USPGA Championship. Both players level par. Scotty Sheffer, Corey Connors and Victor Hovden share the lead in five under. Patrick Harrington has resumed out in course. Oh, well, he's having a bit of a shocker. Um, but look, it's Patrick Harrington, to be fair. I think making the cut, he's, he's quite happy uh, to do so in a field like this. He's seven over through eight of his... Uh, in, in his third round so he's 10 over overall but uh, it's always good to see Harrington uh, getting around uh, next to the big boys isn't it um, so uh, yeah we'll keep an eye well they'll be teeing off Lowry McRoy teeing off at about 20 to 7 so uh, we will keep an eye out for it alright big big day in the Premier League Manchester United thought they had top 4 secure uh, until Roberto Firmino on his Anfield farewell got Liverpool out of trouble and just about keep their hopes alive uh, United and Newcastle only need a point out of their last two though and Liverpool obviously need to win their last game to have a chance of capitalising on any dropped points by United or Newcastle but yeah Liverpool they uh, they rescued the draw just about um, in the end and yeah we have the full time clip here from Shane Pennington from Mo Salah and there was Roberto Firmino on his last appearance before he leaves the club in the summer to volley home from six yards out it's Liverpool 1 Aston Villa 1 yeah that's how it ended so uh, United are three points if not more they should be more than three. Oh, they have a game in hand of course they have Chelsea midweek so that's why they're still only three points ahead um, and yeah like I said United they got the job done Casemiro fantastic goal as well it must be said an acrobatic goal from the defensive midfielder if, if we'll call him that uh, he put him 1-0 up after 9 minutes and uh, that's the way it ended here's Alan Seabrook did one the winning goal coming just 9 minutes into the game ball into the area Casemiro stealing in 6 yards out spinning and on the volley cracked the ball into the roof of the net and whilst Bournemouth had their chances to level things up in the second half most notably 7 minutes from the end where Kiefer Moore was played in on a 1-on-1 with David De Gea but the goalkeeper denied the Bournemouth striker. It's finished here. Bournemouth nil. United won. And uh, Everton as well. Just about getting a, a huge point for them in their battle for survival. Huang Hee Chan put Wolves 1-0 up. And it was a goal in injury time from Yeri Mina. Um, and I think Everton settling very much happy to settle for the drawers. Frank Watson. Wolves won, Everton won. Drama at the end. 98th minute when Everton got an equaliser. Long cross to the far post. James Tarkowski won a header in competition with Bentley, the Wolves goalkeeper. Ball dropped to Michael Keane. He squared it. And Mina knocked it in from about five yards out in a crowded six-yard box. Amazing finish by Everton to keep their hopes of survival alive. Wolves had led from Huang Hee Chan's 33 third minute goal in the first half and looked pretty comfortable throughout the second half. Nine minutes added, and in the eighth of them, Everton get that vital equaliser from Yuri Mina. It finished. Wolves won. Everton won. And it was a draw between Crystal Palace and Fulham Mitrovic scoring back from his uh, long spell out. Obviously, eight games was he got uh, for that uh, 
kind of, you know, meltdown, we'll call it, in the FA Cup. Uh, Joel, War- Joel Ward was the one who rescued the point for Crystal Palace. Uh, no, I think Palace and Fulham. You'd forgive them for being on the beach at this stage and uh, from a United point of view, you'd be hoping Fulham are on the beach <laughs> for the last day of the season uh, because their their jobs are pretty much done for the year. Um, incredible. Roy Hodgson just came into Palace there, there was a sniff of danger. He came in, he transformed them, and yeah, they're they're, they're safe with a, with a couple of games to go. It was two all there. Here is Christy Wilmot. It's finished. Fulham two, Crystal Palace two, and both teams had a really slow start into this game, and it took a brilliant counter attack from Crystal Palace, which was finished finished off by a powerful Edward strike into the top left hand side of the goal. It looked as though Palace would go into the break in front until Mitchell clattered into Wilson in the box, and a penalty was given. That was then converted by Mitrovic. Mitrovic then got his second as he headed in from a Willian free kick before Joel Ward scrambled over his shot from very close range to equalise for Crystal Palace Crystal Palace that were then spurred on to push for the winner but uh, came very close as Elise's shot flashed past the left hand side of Leno's goal although they ran out of time and it's finished Fulham 2, Crystal Palace 2 and I would say that uh, the title is going to be settled this evening by the looks of it it's currently 1-0 to Nottingham first against Arsenal which means that Manchester City are the champions of England it's one leg of the treble done here's Joe Rawson Nottingham Forest nil, Arsenal nil. The hopes have started this game on the front foot. They've been very physical and near caught. That's the wrong clip there. So, uh, yeah, it is 1 0 anyway. It was Teo Awanawi who got the goal for Nottingham Forest. Uh, and we'll keep an eye on that too. Quick check on the Champions Cup final between Leinster and La Rochelle with 61 minutes gone 26-20 still uh, alright Mayo getting a big win over Kerry first defeat for Kerry since 1995 in the championship in Fitzgerald Stadium um, well in the All-Ireland Championship I'm fairly sure I've have not seen maybe it is I'm pretty sure I've seen Cork beat Kerry in the, anyway uh, apparently there was an unbeaten record since 1995 which of course you only find these things out in the last uh, two minutes of a game when Mayor are about to win it um, uh, yeah, massive day in Killarney it was absolutely packed um, and then it all kind of just petered out Kerry were really really poor really disappointing like you know they want to step it up a good bit like if they're going to go and retain the All-Ireland anyway but uh, Cork will be to be bouncing playing Kerry on the June back holiday weekend in, in Parky Cueve and if Kerry are like that um, you'd fancy a chance of, of some bit of an upset anyway wouldn't you um, but uh, yeah uh, I, I, would say I even dropped a group of fellas over to Clarny on my way here this morning and I'm going collecting them on the way back if I can find them I'd say um, there's a Mayo fella involved there as well uh, so I'll have to listen to him I suppose um, they'll, they'll, they'll be winning the All-Ireland again uh, Tommy Rooney reports Time in Fitzgerald Stadium and Mayo have beaten Kerry by five points on a scoreline of 119 to 17 in this opening All Ireland series round robin game. This was a statement performance from Mayo, playing their first game in five weeks since they were knocked out of Connacht, and they kicked 119 with their full forward line contributing 11 points and their bench making a big impact late on. Owen McLaughlin eventually got the matchman in goal after 60 minutes. It was Mayo's fifth effort on target to kill off the Kerry comeback. Kerry were five down at half time after a poor first half and were much sharper in the second half. David Clifford kicked eight points, including four from play, while Paul Gleney kicked three points from play too. Clifford actually missed three goal chances of his own before Mayo wrestled back control. 
It is the first time in 40 Championship matches that Kerry have lost a Championship game in Fitzgerald Stadium and they'll go on to face Cork away in two weeks' time whilst Mayo are away to Loud. Full-time score in Fitzgerald Stadium and Mayo have won by five points on a scoreline of 119 to Kerry 17. Yeah, so Loud and Cork waiting the two of them to see what uh, what they can do there. Obviously, uh, third place can get out of the group as well, but it's a really difficult task to then uh, achieve anything after that. You're going to go away for a preliminary quarterfinal. Um, but looks like now, Kerry, you're going to finish second uh, unless Loud or Cork can upset Mayo. So, um, But look, you never know. Um, Cork, unfortunately, defeated by Galway in the Ireland minor hurling semi-final at Semple Stadium. That ended 318 to 3-18-1-10 in favour of the Tribesmen. Clare booked their place in the final after... Beating Kilkenny earlier, uh, they won twenty three points to fifteen. All right, Cork City ended a run of six losses last night in the League of Ireland Premier Division. The Rebel Army defeated Sligo Rovers one 0 at Turner's Cross thanks to a first half goal from Rory Keating. Here is Colm O'Sullivan talking to City coach Richie Holland. Richie, good win here tonight against Sligo. Happy man. Oh, couldn't be happier to be honest, Colm. You know, um, massive performance from everyone. I'm happy for obviously the players, the staff, and most importantly the fans. You know, because they know it's been a hard time for everyone. You know, in recent weeks and stuff, that you know, I think the performances have been there most of the season. Just that we haven't been getting the rub of the green results wise. And tonight, I just felt that we deserve three points. It's another clean sheet here at home. Anytime we keep a clean sheet here at home, we win. So it's important for the boys to do that as well. You know, I mean, obviously, confidence you would think might have been low after the last few weeks. It's been a, a tough few weeks for everyone at the club, and I mean, even just conceding the the two late goals and the sendings off last week. So the players showed a lot of character tonight because it was a great performance, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I know confidence low t- to a certain extent I know what you're saying but the lads have been in games every week you know and it's it's not like they're hiding or anything like that you know they're 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 giving their best for the short every week you know and it is frustrating frustrating when you look at results the way they've gone obviously last week you know there's been a few other results that we've conceded late and so on but I have to say like you know they keep they keep coming every week same attitude same same level of performance that they're trying to improve every week you know and I look I'm delighted for all of them you know and you were down a lot of players tonight. It was it was almost a bit of a, a makeshift team. You had fellas in places that they wouldn't usually be, but uh, they all did very well. Wherever wherever you asked them to play, yeah. Look again, we spoke to the boys about it. Like you know, they, a lot of talk was about lads that we missed tonight and all that, or whatever. But the lads that came in tonight showed you know what they're about. You know, like obviously Dara Crowley slotted into centre half. You know, can play Dara anywhere. You know, and he looks so comfortable there. Jonas, to be honest, like. Jonas probably was a risk tonight to play him because you know he's only coming coming back from an injury. So Jonas put in a great performance there. You know he's he's had nothing behind him the last month. You know so John John Donovan playing first start. You know at at left wing back again, eighteen year old kid coming into a game like that, fantastic. And obviously Joe Joe looks like a veteran at the moment. You know Joe at at his age and stuff like that. But like he's fantastic for the goal. Got on the half turn and slip Keats and it was a great finish. You know. And uh, Rory's goal, I mean, it was brilliant, and, and he was really good throughout, really. And I mean, he, he he's been he's been getting goals earlier on in the season as well, and he can always bang in a goal. And it was a lovely a lovely finish from tonight. Keats has been brilliant all season, and, and do you know what? Not getting the goals the last couple of weeks has, hasn't bothered him because his performance level has still been the same. He works hard. You see it there. He's chasing down the corner there at the end of the game, and he's chasing down the keeper and stuff like that. You know, and if he keeps doing that, he'll get his goals because you know he's a very very good player and. You know, he's finished tonight to show the quality he has, you know, and look, I I hope that he goes on now on a little run, you know, and starts, starts getting more goals for the season, you know. I suppose it's very important to get that result tonight when you look at some of the other results, especially with, with Strahd of the team above you winning as well tonight, surprisingly against Shamrock Rovers and Eve Rovers down here next week. So it's very important to get that win tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, you know, and look, even 
uh, like other results aside and stuff like that it's just great for the group to get a to get a win you know in front of the crowd here and as I say keep a clean sheet and you know, put on a good performance and look hopefully we can build on now from that you know and the the fans in the crowd have kind of stuck with you all season even though obviously before tonight it was a bit, a bit of a bad run and still there was over 3,000 there tonight the atmosphere is brilliant and they were behind you from the off yeah I I think they can see, you know, the lads are giving everything, you know. I think, like, obviously, look, there's been one or two performances throughout the season which probably weren't up to scratch, you know, and like, the lads will be the first one to hold up the hands, staff, everyone, whatever. But in the main, the boys have, have been in games, they're giving their all. Yes, you know, they're learning and stuff like that. But look, I think the, the fans appreciate that. And look, we appreciate their support because they were fantastic against Saint and probably got the lads through the last 20, last 20 minutes probably there, you know, when Sligo were kind of pushing hard. But we've been saying it through this bad run, we need to stick together. And I think that's all of us, you know, the staff, the players, the fans, everyone here, you know, because there will be ups and downs still, you know, and hopefully we can uh, go on a little bit of a run now, you know. And obviously you'll be hoping they all come back and a lot more fans come along for a big game next week. Shamrock Rovers here. Um, it's going to be a very tough game, we know, against Shamrock Rovers, but uh, you'll be hoping you can get something out of it, obviously. Yeah, look, Rovers have quality all over, all over the pitch and, look, they've got individual class, as we say, but... It's, it's an opportunity for the boys to come out here and put on a performance against a very, very good side. And, and I mean, they, they did put a performance against Mattala earlier this season. Yeah, do you know what? And we put it, put it up to Mattala, and you know, it was like score four goals up there. I don't think, I don't know when the last time that happened, you know. So, like, they'll know our threats as well, like, you know. But it's, it's again, look, it's the, the probably black marker thing is Matt Healy's red card, and Joe, he'll be out for that game now, you know. And you, you're thinking you get one or two back, and then you lose another one again. So, we're quite we're we're quite um, thin at the moment, uh, squad wise, you know. So, we need everyone. Obviously, you know, we need everyone to be fit and, and ready for the game next week. What do you make of the sending off at the end there? Do you know what? Matt's actually got a, a mark on his foot. I think it was kind of a little bit of a fifty-fifty, and I, 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 I don't see it being a yellow. To be honest, I just think that sometimes, again, look, I don't want to be talking about referees again, but I just think it's a. A rash kind of yeah, I'll give you a yellow and then you're off kind of thing or whatever. You know, and it's like you've had a tough few weeks of it in terms of <laughs> like four red cards in the last few few games, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's frustrating, Colin, because I, I watch other games in the league and stuff like that, and it doesn't happen sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like you know, I just think like I think didn't think tonight was a dirty game. I didn't. I don't. I think there were there was some yeah, fair enough ball. Just probably yellow is probably the one that you look at and you say okay, he's took one for the team there, stopping the counter attack. Yeah, that's a yellow card. But after that, I don't think there was too many rash challenges or anything like that you know and sometimes I just think they are a bit quick to go to the pocket you know and just finally Richie um, we know the, the manager recruitment process is ongoing in the background have, have you been given any any info or any indication on that that you can share with people no no not at all look look, we, we're working day to day now with the lads and it's like as I kept, keep saying look, we all have to be professional you know like Colin's a huge miss to the club and you know uh, Dormer and the rest of the board are going to go and deal with that when it comes, you know. So look, just for us, it's it's day to day with the lads, and that we we need to get the lads ready for um, for another big game next week. Great win tonight, Richie. Well done. Cheers. Thank you. Rory is on the line now to look back at what could be a, a big turning point in the season in the Premier Division of the League of Ireland for Cork City. They defeated Sligo Rovers 1-0 last night at Turner's Cross thanks to Rory Keating. Uh, Rory, I imagine there was a lot of relief last night at the final whistle. Yeah, and this felt big. I mean, like still going into the game last night on the back of six straight defeats, which is pretty much unheard of. Um, and then to get a win last night against Sligo Rovers and to, to fully deserve that win as well was um, was fantastic. Um, Silly played very, very well throughout the, the 90 minutes. Um, like they played well in patches over the last two weeks since Liam Buckley has come in as sporting director and has been helping out the first team. 
Um, the first half against St. Pat's in particular was brilliant. Uh, they were brilliant up against uh, Dundalk last week until 90 minutes. I mean, when they conceded twice and had two sent off as well. Um, but um, there just seemed to be a proper shape to City, proper structure. They seem very cohesive. They seem very confident. They've gone to three at the back, which has been um, a game changer for City. And they look very, very solid because then when they don't have the ball, it's five at the back because the wing-backs tuck in. And that's made them a lot um, stronger defensively. And the big thing as well is that they're playing with two up front and Tunde Owalabi and Rory Keating are starting to get a nice little connection going. Uh, and we saw that last night. Um, is it, isn't, that, isn't that very similar to how Cork City played anyway last season in the first division? Um, kind of, yeah. But I mean, like, they've changed their rounds a, a bit. And look, um, uh, with the, as I mentioned, with the three at the back and then with the, the two up front, Rory Keating getting his first goal last night in eight games. He hadn't scored since March and you could see the relief last night on his face when he took a great goal, to be fair. A, a fantastic ball played in by Joe Bryan Whitmarsh split the uh, Sligo defence wide open and uh, Keating came in uh, and finished with a plum past uh, the Sligo goalkeeper. It was a great uh, team move. It was very patient play from City. Sligo Rovers were content to let City have the ball in their own half but two passes later they were in on goal and Keating stuck it away. It was a brilliant move. It was a brilliant goal from Cork City. And then after that, um, Slugger really threatened the city. Had a number of chances. Keating hit the bar. Owalabi blasted over. And then the second half, Slugger had a little bit more of the ball. But they never really threatened Jimmy Corcoran in the city goal. And the relief when they, the, the full-time whistle went, as you said, Aidan, was uh, palpable. Um, we, like, I think everyone there knew how big a result it was. The only... The only donor, and like this is typical Cork City first one in seven games, and then Drahada, the team they're chasing above them in eighth place, go and beat Shamrock Rovers. What are the odds in that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I uh, just can't seem to get a break, but uh, obviously, getting the breakthrough to get the victory is big. Um, and a lot of credit must go to Richie Holland, and obviously, the two Leams with him as well. Like, they must have done a lot of hard work over the last couple of weeks, and like. The last week of training must not have been easy, especially after the result in Dundalk. So it's a great credit to, to Richie, I suppose, that he's managing to, to bring everybody together in what was a difficult situation. And, and to get a big result, he'll have been a happy, a happy man last night. Yeah, he's putting in so much work for this team. And you can see, I was chatting some last night before and after the game, just a relief afterwards. He was just such a happy man. But the work he's putting in is absolutely incredible. Look, not easy for him when Colin Healy left the club. Obviously, he was Colin's assistant, uh, but now he's kind of seems to be my, my man steering it on. Liam Buckley, obviously, like the experience that Liam Buckley brings, like, um, is amazing. And, like, that's obviously rubbing off on Richie, it's rubbing off on Liam Carney as well, and Jack Coleman as well, who's obviously there as well. Um, so, it's a, a strong coaching team there. Um, City are obviously on the hunt for a new manager. Um, hopefully, something will be sorted there in the next couple of weeks. As I said to was it last week, the week before, I wouldn't be at all upset to see Liam Buckley appointed um, um, interim boss until the end of the season um, to get City over this patch and just keep him in the division and then look for a, a manager at the end of the season when you'd probably have a lot more options. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there yeah. I think Jeremy Usher's kind of fairly adamant that look Liam Buckley's a sporting director he's brought in to do that and he wants Liam to be here for a long time as sporting director and not as an interim manager but look I don't think anyone would be upset if Liam Buckley came in it was announced sorry as um, the city's manager until the end of the season but look 
and we'll see what happens there so like there might be news on that in the next couple of weeks not entirely sure but yeah you're right Richie Holland has done just a tremendous work, amount of work with this team um, he's out front and centre he's the man doing the interviews before and after matches uh, and uh, he's really grown into that role as well but yeah he was a happy man last night I was absolutely delighted for him and uh, yeah <laughs> it was a good night at Turner's Cross last night and Absolutely, yeah, and I suppose Richie as well had the experience last season when Colin took a break for, I think, was it five or six games and Richie was the main man in the dugout as well, so obviously the experience from that is, is playing a big role too. Oh, big time, yeah, and like, you know, a lot of Richie got the job full-time and offshore, I'd, I'd be entirely upset either. Yeah. Um, but look, it's a long way to go in the season. Um, like, there's no panic stations really as of yet. I mean, like you lose six games in the bounce, not ideal, but you're you're not out of touch. Uh, we draw it above you. You're now further ahead of UCD, uh, who are bottom. Um, and there are signs Aidan, that this city team is starting to come uh, a little bit more cohesive. And it was the work rate last night that really spoke to me as well. Rory Keating. Not only did he take a great goal, but he battled for 90 minutes. He was back out helping his defence, helping his midfield. Um, he was always there. He was always helping, leading by example. Um, Aaron Bolger was captain last night, but um, Rory Keating, uh, if he had the armband on last night, I wouldn't have been uh, uh, at all upset because he is just working his socks off up front for Cork City. And now that Tunde Owalabi is there with him as well, just to, to share the workload, he's become a, a new player. Uh, Owalabi is a terrifying prospect when the ball is put in front of him. You put a ball over the top for Owalabi to chase with a defender on their heels. The defence last night, the... Um, it's like a Rovers defenders just didn't know how to deal with Owell Abbey. Uh, Mahan and Pinecker, they were just, every time the ball was played in front of Owell Abbey for, them to, for him to chase and they had to defend, they were panicking. Uh, Owell Abbey is just that type of player. Now, Owell Abbey is not the most gifted footballer in the world, we can all see that, but he will give you 110% every time he's on the field and he is causing so much problems for the, the for defenders and he's forming a very, very nice partnership. Uh, with uh, Rory Keating they played a lovely one too at one stage last night it was really really nice Owell Abbey got himself into a couple of good positions uh, maybe a, a little bit of naivety at the end of the, the game last night when City were goal up and there was only a couple of minutes left and Owell Abbey had a had the ball uh, in the Slugger Rovers half and instead of going for the corner flag to waste some time he was taking on shots from difficult angles that were very low percentage shots but look, that's that's only a, a minor quibble. I thought he was uh, fantastic last night. Worked his socks off. Rory Keating got man of the match last night. Uh, fully deserved uh, as well. And considering like City had a number of players out through suspension, uh, King Coleman was missing. Josh Honan was missing. Ali Gilchrist was missing. Could argue there your three starting centre backs. But yeah. in their absence, um, Dara Crowley, Jonas Hacken, and Kevin Kostovich didn't put a foot wrong last night. Now Dara Crowley's not going to obviously be a centre back um, for for long. He'll probably uh, slot in a right wing back when uh, there are more defenders available and that probably mean Gordon Walker dropping to the bench but Jonas Hacklin was in the centre of the three last night didn't put a foot wrong he was there battling winning headers tackling Kevin Kustovich came up with a block near the end of the game I have no idea where he came from and he just launched himself at the ball got the block in and he was brilliant last night absolutely brilliant and then you look around the team Joe O'Brien Whitmarsh City fans like they just have to appreciate Joe O'Brien Whitmarsh while he's here and enjoy him while he's here because he's not going to be a Cork City for very very long he is absolutely class absolutely class uh, he was always in space he looks like a player who's been um 
playing in the League of Ireland for 10 years. He's just always in, uh, in space, plenty of time, very, very composed, covered every single blade of grass, played some lovely defence splitting passes, worked out in defence when he had to. Uh, he was absolutely brilliant. And a special word as well for John O'Donovan, who was on uh, the left flank last night, left wing back. He worked his socks off as well. Got the ball forward, defended very, very well. So he's got another promising player for the future. But Joe O'Brien with Mercer. Look, there was talks that Chelsea were interested in the West Ham and Tottenham were keeping an eye on him as well um, so I can't imagine he's going to be at the club very very long so you might as well just enjoy him while he can because he looks like a proper proper prospect yeah certainly uh, yeah overall very good performance very good win I suppose then looking at Joe Bryan uh, Whitmarsh it's uh, I suppose it was in the news this week as well Damien Duff making comments about uh, English clubs fleecing Irish clubs at times and not getting properly uh, paid for for these young guys that the clubs mm. are producing. So, like you, you'll be looking at a situation here again where you have a really good prospect, and it's a case of trying to get what he is worth to the club and getting that in compensation for him going over to England. And obviously, as well, he's uh, they have to be you have to be over eighteen not to go to England too. So these players are getting older before they go over. So the clubs really do need to find a way to make more money out out of sending prospects across the, the IRC Yeah I have to say I'm becoming a bit of a fan of uh, Damien Duffy Shelburne manager I was very impressed with him when I, I spoke to him after the, um, the the game down here at Turner's Cross and beforehand as well and just watching or reading his press conference earlier on this week when he says do they think we're effing cavemen over yeah. here as he talks about UK clubs coming to, to take uh, Irish players and I was like Damien fair play by someone said that I fully fully agreed what Damien Duff has to say um, yeah so you'd be hoping uh, that whoever comes in for um, Joe Bryan with Marsh that they will pay a few quid um, because he's an exceptional talent in the days of like Irish players going to the UK for pennies are hopefully over but he's right because it's it's happened so many times in the League of Ireland like Seamus Coleman cost everyone 60 grand Aiden, like. yeah, yeah. and look at the career he's gone on to have it's 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 embarrassing um, and it's infuriating from an Irish uh, League of Ireland fans perspective when players like Seamus Coleman go across the water for for 60 grand and we know that like he's, he's going to be a top prospect so look Joe Brian Whitmarsh looks like he's got what it takes to, to move on and play at a, a higher level so hopefully um, they get a lot more than 60 grand that they've that been paid for uh, Seamus Coleman but yeah it's just it's it's frustrating when you see Irish players go across to England for pennies when they've been performing so well in the League of Ireland which is a very tough league to establish itself in and make your mark in Absolutely, and uh, Liam Buckley will obviously be a big part of that uh, in Cork City's structures going forward. Just to finish up on then, I guess the reluctance with, with Liam Buckley being made the manager until the end of the season is, as Dylan O'Connell told us last week, the fact that he's not here just as part of the men's senior team. He's here to oversee every team in the club as sporting director, and he's allowed in his place, and I suppose you don't want to take him away from that work. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that's um, from what I can, from what I've been hearing, I suppose, and what I've been reading between the lines. I think that's Dermot Usher's reluctance is that he doesn't want, he wants Liam Buckley to start working on that straight away. But you can see the influence he's having on the Cork City team already. He's such a calm presence and he's won everything there is to, to win in the game. Um, just a wealth of experience, one of Ireland's best ever managers. Now he's on the sideline for Cork City up against his former club last night as well. And John Russell was his former assistant. And uh, it must have been strange for, for John Russell yeah. to be looking across the dugout and seeing. Liam in a, a Cork City top last night but um, as to who the new manager is your guess is as good as mine um, didn't really hear anything last night everyone was being fairly tight-lipped um, so look it'll be interesting to see what happens in that regard but 
Um, as I say, look, my preference would be for Liam Buckley to come in and take over for the rest of the season and get City to the end of the season, keep them safe in the Premier Division and then look for a manager when you have more options at the end of the season. But look, your guess is as good as mine, Aidan, at this point. Absolutely. Well, hopefully last night anyway was the start of uh, an upturn in form for Cork City and uh, better things to come uh, in the next couple of games. Rory, thanks a minute for going through all of that and uh, I suppose you'll be staying up tonight to watch Kelly Taylor fight and you've got a reaction to that tomorrow? Yeah, I cannot wait for this fight. I mean, like Chancel Cameron is an absolute colossus and this is not an easy fight for Katie Taylor by any stretch of the imagination. And it was Katie Taylor called Chancel Cameron out for this fight. The atmosphere tonight in Dublin is going to be electric absolutely electric Katie Taylor is an absolute warrior we know she's going to go and give 110% and we know that she is going to put everything into this fight it is a very very tricky test Chantel Cameron as I mentioned a very very tough fighter and uh, a weight class above Katie Taylor as well but we've seen Katie Taylor um, step up and uh, and fight big names uh, and beat those big names as well and I think Katie's going to do it tonight it is going to be a tricky fight probably the trickiest fight the hardest fight in Katie Taylor's career and look it's um, I'm <laughs> you can probably tell yeah. I'm genuinely buzzing for this fight tonight. we'll have uh, Spike O'Sullivan giving us some analysis on it tomorrow uh, hopefully Katie Taylor will win but there's a great card there with Thomas Carr fighting Dennis Hogan fighting as well it's, look it's, it's going to be a good card tonight it's going to be a great atmosphere in the O2 um, and I think Kenny Taylor is going to edge it tonight but Aiden it's going to be razor close Absolutely plenty to look forward to uh, tonight and tomorrow as well on the big red bench Rory thanks a million Thank you buddy Yeah Rory there on uh, Cork City's win last night and of course the Katie Taylor fight tonight Oh, what is this finish to the game? The Champions Cup final at the Viva Stadium. La Rochelle went over for a try just after I left you to go talking to Rory. Uh, 27-26 is the score to La Rochelle, right? 78-15 on the clock. Both sides down to 14. Two yellow cards, uh, a sin bin uh, for Leinster after the try was scored for La Rochelle and then a sin pin for a high tackle for a La Rochelle player. And now the game was stopped as Leinster were at the line trying to go over to get back in front. Um, player, the cart is actually really bad and uh, I don't think the fans understood it either. There, were, there was a lot of booing going on when the referee called it up but the player's unconscious. Uh, I can't see who it is now. It's a La Rochelle player that's on the ground, knocked out and uh, obviously it's, it's a very, situa- very serious situation. Uh, so play has been stopped. I don't know what the like. Do they throw the ball in here? Like, I mean, Hurley's on the ground. Do you know what I mean? What do they do in rugby when they stop the play? I have no idea. Uh, but anyway, it's a very exciting finish, and uh, we're going to go for a quick break, and we'll know more when we come back. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock. And, right, red card for Leinster. It was a penalty to La Rochelle. Uh, your man kind of, he ran straight into the into the rock and just shouldered the fell into the face. So, knocked him out nearly. And uh, so, Leinster down to 13. La Rochelle, after winning another penalty, 27-26 to 26 in favour of the French side. Ron Nogara's men are about 40 seconds away from... 
doing a double, a back-to-back Champions Cup uh, triumph and against Leinster again uh, this time in Dublin Leinster had their chance I mean how, how could, they couldn't have had a better start and they've just this has just gone away away from them La Rochelle again have retained possession out of that uh, line out 20 seconds to go they're only counting down the clock what a fantastic achievement for Cork's Ron O'Gara to lead La Rochelle to a second in a row and uh, of course they lost the final didn't they three years ago too like so um, this uh, yeah it's incredible what they've been able to achieve five four three two one almost uh, clock is going into the red so all that La Rochelle have to do is secure possession from this rock as James Lowe coming in to try and make the clear out it's out it's all over and La Rochelle are the champions of Europe once again Ron Nogara kingpin in European rugby uh, they've beaten Leinster 27-26 at the Aviva Stadium. All right, well, Dublin were having it all their own way. <laughs> I just see images there of Ron Nogara celebrating, uh, which is great to see. Um, but yeah, Dublin were, were on top for so much of this game against Kilkenny in Nolan Park in round four of the Leinster Hurling Championship. They were... Six points to four up at one stage. I think actually seven points to four up. And now all of a sudden Kilkenny at halftime leading 13 points to nine. Uh, I see Mikey Butler getting a point here. Um, TJ Reid has slotted over a few frees. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, looking uh, more of a familiar scoreline there. And obviously massive day tomorrow in the Munster Hurling Championship. It's Cork versus Clare. And uh, of course, I'm going to be the going myself uh, to Ennis. I can't wait. Actually, I've never been to Cusick Park, uh, so I'm excited to go there. And uh, yesterday, I caught up with All Ireland winner with Cork, Shawnee McGrath, to get his take on what is a huge game and what could be a massive turning point for the season of both Cork and Clare. All right, Cork legend Shawnee McGrath is on the line ahead of a massive game on Sunday in Ennis. It's Clare versus Cork in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship and it's a game that could uh, be the making or breaking of both team seasons. Shawnee, thanks a minute for joining us on the Bigger Red Bench. No problem, Aidan. Delighted about it. Uh, first of all, three points out of four. I, I know there was two home games, but surely Pat Ryan and, and Cork will be fairly happy with that. Yeah, he has to be delighted. I suppose um, the tonic of having the two first home games um, was such that you could have built up some momentum when you come to the home games. Um, and he could do only slightly better by getting four out of four. He's gotten three out of four, which is a fantastic return, um, to be fair. I suppose Warnford looked a little bit jaded the first day, but, you know, Cork bounced back brilliant, I thought, last night. They weren't spectacular for the 70 minutes, but it was a performance full of grit and determination, um, a sort of a never, day, never say die spirit. And, you know, to get the two late goals um, and, to, and to draw a level against a really good, excellent uh, Tipperary team, a team I think that a lot of t- uh, pundits will have maybe punted for, you know, ultimate all and honours, maybe just second behind Limerick. It was a great, great performance, but Pat will know himself and his selectors and management team will know like that they have to back it up. As you said, it's a huge game on Sunday. Tight ground, totally different venue to the to the last two games they've played in. Um, you know, it'll be a good packed capacity, the crowd being on top of them against a very, very good player side. So a huge game and as good as the performances have been from Cork to date, um, you're almost back to square one again now on Sunday. They have to hit the ground running, hit fast, get the scores on the board and ultimately they have to get a win. The, the depth I suppose and it, you could see it as well in, in the Tipperary game like I mean the, the subs the impact the likes of Shane Kingston Brian Hayes like the depth all of a sudden is staggering for Cork and Sean O'Donoghue coming back in and Robbie O'Flynn is out to be fair I suppose uh, but 
things do feel like they are coming together now with this squad and, and Pat Ryan he'll be sitting there and obviously he's 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 made a couple of changes from the starting 15 now whether that starting 15 will be the one to actually take to the pitch we don't know but um, he's a lot of options all of a sudden he does um, he did an awful lot of work in the off season and throughout the league with experimenting I don't know has any manager experimented as much throughout the league campaign um, so every fella can, has got an opportunity I don't think any fella on the panel can have any cribs or crimes um, the key players continue to perform well um, and some of the new lads you know Brian Roach had an excellent outing against Waterford um, he had a tough outing the last day he was on Noel McGrath but I still think he battled away hard it was a huge game for him um, and I thought he did reasonably okay Tommy O'Connor has come in and, and done well um, and as I said the, the old old brigade are still continuing to impress Dickie Dalton obviously did well the last day under pressure because he took over some of the long uh, distance free taking duties from Patrick Horgan and I thought he was really really good and he got a fantastic early early goal so you know all in all I think yeah Pat will be really happy um, and obviously then happy with the impacts on the bench you know I mean 70 minute game high intensity um, you know much harder game I suppose than Hurls would have been used to over the last you know even 10 years I think the last couple of years the, the levels of fitness and physical conditioning have gone absolutely through the roof so you know any fellow that ends up playing 70 minutes of championship hurling into county level you know, certainly knows they've been in the game when they come off the field and for fellas to come in and make such an impact. And when you come in and you're a bit rusty and maybe you're not to the pitch of the game, fellas like Conor Lehan, Shane Kingston, Tim O'Mahony and Brian Hayes, you know, they were all, they all made a huge impact. Brian ultimately got the, the equalising goal, a brilliant first time finish. You know, they, they're not that easy, even they look easy, you know, when you haven't had that many touches to double on the ball, brilliant crossfield ball from Shane Kingston. It was a, a savage finish and, you know, just really, you know, got all the crow behind him. So, yeah, I think Pat would be happy with that. But as I said at the onset, I, I just think as well, Aiden, he knows like that his tenure, it's a long road, like, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of optimism around Cork with the minors, you know, they they, they play Galway in the semi-final and the 20s with the All-Ireland final coming up and after winning a brilliant muscle championship the other night, a great win against Clare up in Limerick. You know, the whole, but the whole momentum and the whole kind of swell of support has just gone through the roof for Cork hurling over the last couple of, well, over the last couple of months, but certainly over the last couple of weeks and days even. So Pat will know that that's fantastic, but it also brings massive pressure. So, you know, he just has to manage that pressure. Hope that fellas can uh, acquit themselves well on, on Sunday. Um, and he won't underestimate the challenge at hand, like because I went up to see them against Waterford. Clare are a good side. They're very physical. They can mix it up. They, they are marquee players also are playing really, really well. So, he knows full well that it's a massive task. Yeah, and Pat's been the one putting the pressure on for the last couple of years as well, so now he's on the other side of the coin. Uh, but yeah, I suppose talking about Clare, like I underestimate them every year in Munster anyway. Like uh, I just can't seem to 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 get them right and, and like to bounce back and beat Limerick after the tip loss was incredible. Like they're just a very difficult team to gauge and like the Waterford game as well doesn't tell us a whole pile because of Waterford being as poor as they were. Yeah, I, I, I do think actually the first round game against Tipperary was a not not really a true reflection of the competitiveness in the game. And you know, there, was, there were a couple of you know goalkeeping errors that normally wouldn't happen. A ball going all the way in from a sideline puck. You don't really see that happening regularly at intercounty level. They're freak things that they, that they can happen, but they don't happen that regularly. So there were a couple of goals that Tip got that they wouldn't normally get. Um, as I said, I went to Turles on Saturday night to see them against Limerick or see them against Waterford and. Look, the descending off in the first half, you know, had a bearing in the game, but I always felt, you know, that that Clare were the better side. Um, John Conlon is back. You know, he was missing for a good part of last year. Rory Hayes in the corner has got his form back. Um, and look, Tony Kelly and, and Shane O'Donnell are just, 
you know they're they're almost unstoppable on their day when they play to form. Ryan Taylor does a brilliant job. He wears thirteen, but he goes out around midfield. Um, he does incredible work. He's a brilliant link man, brilliant stick man. Um, carries the ball well and always chips in with a score. Aidan McCarthy was missing the last day. He'll come back in. His frees are really, really good, complemented by Kelly if he needs to take them. And the one fella that kind of has gone under the radar a little bit this year, because he's not playing out of his skin, is Peter Duggan. I thought the last line as well against Waterford. He was in and out of the game. He did set up a brilliant flick pass for Cahill Malone's goal. But he's a kind of fella that I'd say Brian Lone is really hoping will you know, hit the ground running and really catch fire on Saturday night because... The likes of him, you know, really bring, they bring everything with you, they bring the crowd, they bring the, you know, his his teammates with him, um, you know, plucking balls out of the sky, you know, these long rangey scores that he can get. We haven't seen much of it so far this year. So, you know, if you're Pat Ryan, you hope that your, you know, your half back line can manage him. He plays a good bit of time inside as well. He'd be taller than Sean O'Donoghue, so Sean has to manage that. Um, so they've got exceptional players. They were very unlucky last year. I saw them against Kilkenny and Crow Park. They were so, so flat. The Muster final took an awful lot out of them last year. They never came back, even though they beat Wexford. They just never came back to those high octane levels. Um, so as I said earlier, it's a huge game for Cork. Pat will be well aware. I'm only calling out a few names. Pat will know every single thing about those fellas inside out and backwards. All the analysis and study will be done in them. And he'll know that. And especially the home advantage as well. It counts for something, Aidan. I'm, I'm convinced of that. That you know that if you take advantage of the home support and the home ground and the familiarity with the surroundings, you know, it counts for a couple of scores. So that again adds to the to the challenge that Cork will face. One thing that will give them a lot of confidence is Cork's ability to get goals against Tipperary. And I suppose as well, they'd have had been able to look at, and like that, some of those goals were freak goals by Tipperary. But they, they've been able to look at that. And there is a weakness there, to be fair, in the in the Clareful backline and has been over the last couple of years. I think they've conceded as many goals as Cork and Limerick in, in the last couple of years in the championship put together. Um, so they will take a lot of confidence out of that. And I'm sure they've been looking at those goals that Tipperary scored as well the first day out in Ennis and you know like that it's a tight pitch it is a lot more difficult for Cork to use that pace they have but uh, it, it, there still is weakness there isn't there in that Clareful backline um, Yeah I, like, I suppose Hogan, Cleary and, and Rory Hayes they're three excellent players um, you know they'll be up against you know an orange sideline maybe on paper it's it's Conor Cahillan Patrick Horgan and Conor Lehan which are the modern game I suppose has a lot of the kind of forwards coming out creating four across the half forward line Maybe Conor Callan will have a, believe it or not, could potentially have a man marking job. Who knows? But they'll definitely be two up top. Um, you'd imagine the pace of Conor Lehan and the skills of, of Patrick Horgan will trouble, trouble any full back line, and certainly the clear full back line will, will know there's plenty of heat in them on, on Sunday. I, I think Cork, what they've done this year as well, and I always liked it about Cork teams when they were going well, was you know running at defences, you know, the hard running that they did last night. You know, Dickies Dalton was probably the best example of it, just really drawing men to, to, towards you, yeah, pop passes. Robbie Flynn, who's going to be a huge loss if Cork continue to make progress this year because he really typifies that more than any other player. You know, he just runs so hard at defences. He nearly always, nine times out of ten, finishes accurately or pams off a good pass. Um, and I think that's when Cork are at their best. And there, there is huge pace in this side. Luke Mead is in there now as well. Carry the ball, you know, draw the defenders, create a bit of, uh, a bit of mayhem. And as I said, either finish or, or pop pass. So that, you know, you, you don't always have to be getting goals. You know, if you can do that and get a score at the end of it, you know, even if it's a point, you know, it, 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 you know, it's a tonic, it's good. But certainly this year, I think Pat has put a bit of emphasis, all right, on, you know, drawing the man. Um, don't be selfish. You know, don't always go for your own score. Throw the, throw the ball out. Um, and the best example as well, I suppose, of that, you know, was the whole build-up to the Brian Hayes goal. It's, 
Mickey Dalton um, brilliant take from sorry it might have been uh, uh, Dara Fitz that put it across a great take from Dickey and it ended up getting to Shane and Shane might have had his own shot or maybe tried to slip it over the bar or try and hit it and get a rebound off the goalkeeper but it was a super crossfield ball really intelligent play and then at the end of it a brilliant finish from as I said earlier Brian Hayes so all that you know suggests that there is goals in this Cork side um, they've done well so far in, in, in that regard they've done well throughout the league campaign so I think I think Pat would be hoping for much of the same. Like they they are good players. Those those three guys mentioned Hogan, Clary, and Hayes. But certainly any team that goes up against the likes of Lehan or Patrick Hogan. Um, I think the, that those guys will test the best of any football line out there. You mentioned Conor Cahillan there as a possible man marker. Where do you, where was that brainwave coming from? Do you think? Um, I, 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 I'm not so sure. I, I'm just trying to you know picture him in the corner. I can't see him staying in there. Um, um, Cahill Malone played well. He got a goal in the point the last day. Will he go to run midfield and nullify him a bit? Um, I suppose the big thing is you know Tony Kelly like the last and as well against Waterford he goes absolutely everywhere like and it's it's hard to see Kieran Joyce following him everywhere um, you know you, you do your best to try and keep your centre back as stable as you can sweeping across covering ball off the two half backs and maybe mopping up anything that comes out of the full back line and that's when Kieran is at his best um, so I don't know Would you have thought maybe um, Joe Millerick could have been a, a contender to mark uh, uh, Tony Kelly and then obviously he's not starting but look that means nothing anyway I guess but would he have been maybe a contender for you to be marking Tony yeah yeah and I'd say Joe he did reasonably well the other night he'll, he'll think that he's you know he'll be disappointed but you know Pat has put a lot of stock in the training sessions I believe they had an A versus B game last weekend and it was a right good game and supposedly Connor Alan Cadigan who's back into the panel played very very well so Pat is looking at that and that is a gauge you know and you know I, I do believe in that myself that, you know, fellas playing to farm, give them their opportunity when you're on farm. Um, you know, like, like you know, a lot of the top players don't always go into matches on farm, but they're able to play on championship day. But a lot of other players, you know, they're farm players. And, and when they're you know, on a bit of a good streak, then you throw them in. And Connor's kind of one of them. He's, he played well in that practice game last week. What exactly he'll do, maybe I'm just speculating <laughs> and it could be all, all wrong, but I just think he won't spend a lot of time in that full forward line. And it wouldn't surprise me if, it was Alexa Malone or, or maybe even Tony Kelly that he picked up. Yeah, he's a great runner as well from deep, isn't he, Conor Cahillan? We saw that. Uh, the Was it the goal? He, he set up the goal for the very first uh, goal of the game last year against Limerick. He handed off to Shane Bart and it was a great run by him as well. Um, I suppose then, like looking at this game and then the Gaelic rounds, I'm lucky enough I'm going to be going to both for myself covering them for FM. I'm really looking forward to it. It's absolutely crazy that at the end of it, right, you could have Cork being knocked out of the Munster Championship, you could have Clare being knocked out of the Munster Championship, and you could have Limerick being knocked out of the Munster Championship. Like, it really is set up for a crack in two weeks. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, the compressed season has its pros and its cons. The club player would probably say that it's good because you know what's happening. Um, the majority of the pundits out there say... Um, are against it. They just think that there are too many glamour ties um, gone too early in the season and that when the good, real good weather comes in June and July, you don't have all these glamour ties being, being played. I'm not really sure what side of the fence I sit on, Aidan. Um, you know, I, I do think from the club perspective, it probably is good. Um, and it kind of, even though they say, and they do, look, players do get more games than they used to before. But from a calendar point of view, it's like the old format, you know. Plenty of times I played in Cork teams that were gone by the end of May, start of June, because at that stage it was a knockout championship. Um, and you just had the opportunity, you just had one opportunity, and that was 
gone. So from a calendar point of view, you could argue it has almost gone way back to that again where some top team is going to be gone by the end of May and they'll have no championship hurling throughout the whole months of June, July and August. Um, but look, such that that's that's what it is. That's that's what the J have decided to do. Um, it's it's probably its second year in, 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 in trialling. The one thing you can argue with is, and again, I suppose you could say that that would happen anyway in a June or July month, but the quality of games so far have been really, really good. You know, um, the, the, the atmosphere in the Cork and Tip game, you know, to be honest, it's been as good as atmosphere a game that I've been at. Um, I can vividly remember the 91 game, the, the drawn game down in um, Parky Keefe, Cork and Tipperary, the 1990 most uh, all the final, Cork and Galway. Um, you know, they were all super, super games. Um, the 92 f- uh, semi-final Munster Championship against Tipperary, they're just games that spring to mind as a young fella go to myself. Um, you know, and they were just absolutely edge-of-the-seat stuff. And to be honest, I just really thought last Saturday night was, you know, ran all of them close for excitement, entertainment, um, and obviously against the old enemy in Tipperary. It just had everything and the night and, you know, just the way how spectacular the park looked. It was just an absolutely incredible occasion. Um, so that's the one thing you can say about the championship today that it has resulted in poor quality games you know teams are giving absolutely everything um, you know Cork had played the week before and they still had loads of energy um, you know which is a testament to everything that's going on and what Pat has done in the strength and conditioning stuff all those guys almost getting the guys that do the strappings and the physios I mean the repair work they're, they're doing in a compressed season is absolutely phenomenal so from that point of view it's been entertainment levels of A plus stuff and the jury is still out, and I'm not sure what side I sit in. It probably is a bit disappointing, all right, to see these some of these top teams going so early in the year. Uh, to finish up, then I'll try to nail you down for a prediction. I suppose there's no point doubting Cork at this stage, is there? No, um, no, no. There's not. Um, I'm worried, all right. Um, I, I just think that it's the venue, I suppose. Really, is it? Yeah, it's the venue, and like you know, you read reports, you know, I read every paper top to tail and you you read different conflicting views and some said that Waterford gave Clare a good game the last day and it wasn't until the sending off, but I'm not so sure. I just thought Clare, I, I really think this Clare team is a good side um, and I think players like, you know, Shane O'Donnell, he got his three goals in 2013 and at times it's been mentioned that, you know, he never replicated those, that occasion again, but I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, he's regularly running to line, talking to Brian Lowen. He's so intelligent on the field. His runs, his aerial ability, he's so good in the air. He's much, much better in the air than he gets credit for. Um, Rogers is hard and he's tough. Um, they have a mix of class. They have a mix of tall, strong and, and robust and Peter Duggan. So they have a really, really good mix. Um, as I said, the home venue is huge. I'm still just marginally punting for, for Cork as much bias and with my heart dating. But um, I think Pat is going to have you know, a ferocious battle and a, a massive 70 minutes ahead of him come Sunday. Absolutely. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Uh, Sean McGrath, thanks a minute for joining us to preview all of that. And hopefully it's going to be a victory for Cork on Sunday in Ennis. Thanks a minute for joining us. No bother. Cheers, Aidan. Yeah, and the curtain raiser to that is the Munster Camogie Intermediate final between Kerry and Cork. Here is the uh, here is Jeremy McCarthy with the Cork Intermediate Camogie manager Trevor Coleman. First of all, it's a provincial final, so you and the Cork backroom team and the players obviously want to win it. Uh, it certainly won't be on paper. A lot of people might not realise that this Kerry team is improving and has been improving over some time. So this is a tough game and a tough day out for you. Yeah, to be fair, look, it'll probably be our toughest day today at Church. You know, look, we played Kerry last year in the Munster final as well. Again, probably started real slow, but finished well to win the game. But again, as we were saying all year, we have a turnover of 18 players, and Kerry 
have won the Division 1 or two, uh, 1B uh, league, which is a huge one that we couldn't actually win last year. So, we definitely are coming as a team and they have been for the last few years so look we're going to take Manning for granted going up there Kerry uh, this weekend we'll just treat them as another team and it's another obstacle for us that we need to try and get over as part of our journey this year so hopefully we can get over the line on Sunday yeah? Now obviously you want to win the game you want to take a provincial title if you can uh, heading into the All-Ireland Championship but the fact that going to, there's going to be an absolutely massive crowd there if not at the start definitely but towards uh, the second half of that particular game that's exciting for your players and for yourselves as well Trevor Yeah it's huge and he's out to Munster uh, Munster Camogie there they've done all double headers this year with, with the, the lads game so this is huge for the female sport and huge for all girls in particular you know, and if you're players you're going into an All-Ireland Championship all these big games help you to get over the nerves Yes, look, it's going to be probably daunting at the start, but probably an empty stadium. We'll come half time in our game, the stadium will start to be filling up, and that's where the noise comes in. And hopefully, look, a bit of experience might come through with a bit of experience we've around the place. But again, look, it's going to be no easy task going up there to be a carry. But again, this is where the goals want to be. This is where they, this is what they deserve. They put in the same amount of effort as the boys do. So again, they deserve to be up in these big stadiums, and hopefully, look, the, the result will go away on Sunday. Yeah, uh, the very best of luck to them and obviously to Cork as well in the game against Clare. We'll have all the reaction here in the big red bench in Cork's Red FM from 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Rory's going to be here. He's so much. He's got Spike O'Sullivan on the Katie Taylor fight, which is this evening. And just a lot on, a lot on. And I'm sure he'll uh, have a quick mention about uh, Ron O'Gara's triumph again. Nottingham Forest here. Oh, side netting. 1-0 still to Forest with 67 minutes gone. It means City are the champions as it stands. Right, we're out of time. Thanks a million for joining us this evening uh, for what was quite a packed show. Like I said, Rory be it, Rory will be along uh, tomorrow evening from 6pm and uh, also don't forget next week, during the week, the Women in Sport podcast with Jeremy McCarthy out every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. You can hear the Trevor Coleman interview in full on this week's uh, edition. Alright, that is it. Thanks a million for joining us and uh, yeah, hopefully Cork can get a victory in Ennis Stevie G's block party is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.